Psalm 62 tonight. Psalm 62. Once again, we're going to jump back into our time in uh, the Psalms officially next week. And uh, we took a, a little break at the end of the year and finished up Psalm 51, which I pray was a help to you. You know, Psalm 51 is one of those that we kind of can breeze past every once in a while because we find some highlight verses, if you would. Uh, But we're going to jump into Psalm 52 and continue our time next week uh, walking through each of the Psalms. So we will actually come to Psalm 62 uh, at some point this year. But I want to draw your attention to uh, Psalm 62 for just a few moments and look at a verse specifically tonight that I pray will be a help to you. If I were to ask you this question tonight, and uh, I believe that this is one of those, you're asking the question, it's an obvious answer type of situation, but not always. Not always. Sometimes we we can uh, be in a a state of uh, discouragement. We can be in a state of rebellion. Uh, So I'm not saying that everyone here tonight is going to answer this with an obvious yes, because you might have walked the doors tonight and you're here, but you're not here, if that makes sense. You're in your seat, you're present, if you were to say it that way, but you are as far from the Lord as you could be. You're as far from the things of God as you want to be, and you have no desire to see the Lord do a great work in your life. But let me ask it anyways. I believe this is an obvious answer, like I said, but how many of you tonight would say you want the power of God in your life? I want the power of God. Look, I don't want to go through this life and just kind of make it through, if you would. I don't want to just kind of work my way through. I don't want to just kind of mosey my way through. And as you begin to think about life, sometimes if we're not careful, we we go through life and we want to make all of these big decisions. We want to we want to see a lot of progress. We want to see movement. We want to see things happening. We want to we want to live in exciting times and we go to all of the great lengths to see those things take place. But sometimes we leave out God. We're right in the midst of all of it. We're, we're making progress in the, in the, in the sense of we're, we're trying to make the decisions, but the spiritual decisions we're limited on sometimes because we don't invite the Lord to take us on that journey. Tonight, you could be on a journey right this very moment, but you've left out God who can lead you on that journey. You see, if you were to go and you were to talk to people who are living right this very moment, there are some people who will tell you that it took them some time to realize that they could go and they could live But it's not really living if you were to say it that way. You ever heard someone say that they're living their best life? Well, truth be told, those who are living a life that is leaving God out is not living their best life. As you yield your life to the Lord, that is when you begin to live your best life because God is the one who is leading you and guiding you and directing you and your life. Look with me, if you would, Psalm 62 for just a few moments. The Bible says this, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. My soul... Wait thou upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my God and my refuge in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity and 
The men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression and become not vain and robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Notice with me, if you would, and we're not going to lay a foundation for the entire psalm this evening and, and walk verse by verse, but we will lay a foundation uh, for some things that are leading up to the verse we're going to make mention of. As you come and you see some things in this psalm right here, you'll find that there's a lot of uh, direction in this psalm. There's a lot of emphasis in this psalm. There's a lot of, of movement, if you were to say it that way. And everything that is moving is moving to the direction of very simply this one common theme that it's all resting in the Lord. Notice this psalm, if you would, for just a moment. The Bible says in verse number one, truly my soul waiteth upon God. Movement to God. The psalmist is saying, hey, Lord, I, my soul is, is not waiting upon myself. My soul is not waiting in man. My soul is waiting upon you. As he continues, he says, he only is my rock. Multiple times in this psalm, he makes an emphasis by using a word that we can sometimes miss. That word is the word only. As he says right here in verse number 2, he only is my rock. He goes on in verse number 5 and says, my soul wait thou only upon God. In verse number 6 he says, he only is my rock. You see, sometimes we can miss that word only. Sometimes we can just kind of breeze on through this psalm and miss that he is placing an emphasis by saying he only. That word only, if you were to go and you were to study this out, he is very simply helping us understand that he is saying he alone. He's all that I need. He's the only one that I need in this moment. He only is my rock. He only, he alone is my rock. He alone is my soul waiting upon. He alone is my rock and my salvation. So the psalmist is making emphasis here to help us understand that he is making movement to and toward the Lord. You see, in the Christian life sometimes, Brother John and I were just talking just the other day because we were putting together, I was sending him some of the information for our leadership meeting. And One of the titles of of the leadership meeting that we're going to go through about five different lessons and deal with some things as a church and get on the same page and and pray and and really ask the Lord to do some big things this year. And there's an entire lesson that is dealing with the church and, and moving forward as a church. And Brother John was making mention of that and he was talking about it. He said, I look at that lesson and I, my thought is God is always advancing. That's a, that's a true statement. God is always advancing. There's never a time in Scripture where you'll find that God is moving backwards. He's always moving forward. And in the Christian life, one of the things that we struggle with sometimes is if we're not careful, we begin to move backwards. Sometimes we take some time off. Sometimes we get lazy in some regards. Sometimes we we begin to decline because we're leaving God out of the equation. And the psalmist is making mention of some things, and he is helping us understand that he is seeking to move forward. You see, the psalmist is resting in the Lord here. As he says, truly my soul waiteth upon God. He is resting in the Lord. As he says, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is resting in that simple truth that the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my salvation. Man is not my rock. Man is not my salvation. Salvation belongeth only to God. So now we come to where we're going to part this evening. Because we asked this question a few minutes ago. Do we truly desire the power of God in our lives? If you were to think about that, that statement, the power of God on your life, and if you desire it, we must ask ourselves, how are we going to access the power of God? You know, it's one thing to talk about. 
It's one thing, you know, that there, there are times in our lives when we will say we desire something, we want something. Well, what are you going to do to make sure that you are putting yourself in a position to experience those things? Uh, you go to a, a, uh, a solutionist that is dealing with debt recovery or, or debt solutions, and they will begin to give you a plan of action if you are wanting to get out of debt. They'll say, if you want to get out of debt, these are the necessary steps that you have to take. You go to a doctor, and you're trying to get your health in, in check, and you're trying to get healthier. The doctor will say, okay, I'm going to put you on a, a strict uh, arrangement of details concerning your, 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 your weight program, your, your, your exercise, and taking care of your health across the board. And they'll, they'll say, these are the necessary steps that you have to take. You go and you begin to talk to a mechanic and a mechanic will begin to relay some information about how you can make sure that your car will last as long as it can if you properly take care of it. Well, in the Christian life, we have everything we need and everything we desire from this book right here. And the Lord says, hey, you want power? Well, how are you going to put yourself in a position to experience my power? Notice what the Bible says in verse number 11. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth Unto God. Now, I want you to notice verse 11 for just a moment. We, we place a strong emphasis on the very last statement we're going to tonight. But even the psalmist here is making this very clear. As he says in verse number 11, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this. Twice have I heard this. Notice the statement that follows after, that power belongeth unto God. One preacher put it this way as he was dealing with the subject of power. He said, power is of God. And it comes by means of God and belongs to God and must be considered according to God. As you begin to study scripture, you'll ask yourself, I want to experience the power of God. How am I going to experience the power of God? You see, the Lord never intended for any of us to labor our way through this life. He never intended for us to make it through. No, He desires for us to thrive in the Christian life. He desires for us to experience all that He has for us. As you go and you study Scripture, you'll find that many times when the Lord was dealing with an individual in Scripture, He was trying to get them to understand that if you buy into my plan, you'll experience everything that you desire. You see, I believe every single one of us have showed up to the house of God, and if we were to list the things that every single one of us would agree tonight that we want, some of those things would be like this. We want happiness. I believe every single one of us want to be happy. If you've come to the the, the church tonight and you say, no, I enjoy being miserable, I feel sorry for you. I do not enjoy being miserable. I do not enjoy bad days. I believe we would say, I want to be happy. I want to to, uh, experience joy. I want to experience the, 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 the joys of life, and I want to have good times. I think we would all say we want to laugh. Laughter is a good thing. I think we would agree we want to laugh. We don't want to, we don't want to be miserable and, and grumpy and moody. and all. We don't want those things. We want some of those joy and the happiness and all that. And so we put ourselves in a position to experience those things. For instance, if you know that there are certain people in your life that put you in a bad mood, what do you do? You avoid those people. You know that there are certain people that put you in a great mood. What do you do? You surround yourself by those people. You know there are certain hobbies that you enjoy that bring happiness, that bring joy, that, that you really enjoy. You do those hobbies often. There are things that you don't enjoy at all. Then you make sure that you are not going to put yourself in a position to hate that activity. That's common sense. That's, that's the way we live our lives. And so now we come back to this. We desire the power of God. Let me ask you this question. What are you doing to put yourself in a position to experience the power of God on your life? It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to experience. The Bible says in Colossians 3.3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid in Christ with God. 
As you come to this portion of Scripture, you begin to see some of these things. You see, sometimes if we're not careful as Christians, we desire and we expect to experience the peace of God. We desire and we expect to experience the, the presence of God. We desire and we expect to experience the the power of God and we expect to experience the provision of God and we want to do all of these things. And as a matter of fact, as you go to the early Psalms and, and from Psalm 11 to Psalm 19, you see multiple Psalms that deal with our great Creator. We want to look at all of the things that He has done and as you begin to think about each of those things, what is the one thing that the emphasis is on? It's not on the presentation. It's not on the provision. It's not on the peace, it's not on the power, it's on God. You see, sometimes we want power. You even go and you find in the book of Acts, there was a gentleman in the book of Acts that encounters the power of God. He wants to buy it. And they're very clear, they say, no, you can't buy the power of God. What do you want the power of God? Well, I want to do these things, but no, that's not what it's meant for. That's not what it's intended for. You see, the peace of God is not for you to rejoice in, it's to rejoice in the person, not the peace. The the power of God is not for you to say, oh, I've got the power of God on my life. No, it's not about you. It's all about God. It's all about the power of God on your life. Not you, not us. It's all about the Lord. And so as you come to these things, you begin to see in Scripture that it deals with us accessing the power of God. If you were to think about all of those many things we've already made mention of, a debt a resolutionist or a solutionist dealing with debt and saying these are the steps that you have to take. Well, if you're going to experience that financial freedom, then you have to access those things. You say, I want the power of God. You have to access the power of God. You can't talk about it. You can't dream about it. You have to access those things. Think with me for just a moment, the peace of God. You see, the peace of God is you begin to think about people right this very moment. All throughout this nation, there are people, and all throughout this world, there are people that are laying their heads down tonight on a pillow. They're seeking peace. I remember I was as restless as I could have been right before I had gotten saved. Every single night, I was hoping that I would make it to the next day. I was was without peace. The night that I got saved, I remember laying my head down on my pillow. I I didn't struggle one bit. Why? Because I had the peace of God in that moment. It was in that moment that I experienced the peace of God. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the peace of God, as you think of this example, as we transition to the power of God here in a few moments, not only the peace of God through salvation, but as you say, after salvation, you say, you know what, I'm restless, I'm not, I'm not enjoying life. You say, I'm saved, but I still don't enjoy life. Well, let me ask you this, are you surrendered? Are you yielded? Are you completely given to the Lord? You say, no, I'm saved and and I go to church and I read my Bible. Yes, that's great. Those are all great things. But does God have all of you? You see, you could be a faithful church member. You could be serving in, in some strong and wonderful ministries. You could read your Bible. You could pray every day. But you could still be holding on to what you want to do and say, Lord, I'll only give you so much. You see, peace that you're seeking after is you find it in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. You find it also as you surrender your life to the Lord for service. The Bible tells us this in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. You go and you study the book of Philippians. You say, how could Paul find peace? And how could he enjoy the life when he's finding himself in prison? He's going through all of these many things. And you're telling me in Scripture that Paul is saying that he is still finding peace? I mean, those those prison cells are disgusting. Yes, they are. They're cold. Yes, they are. 
Uh, they're, they're, they're nasty and they're, they're, there's, there's a lot that's taking place. How can he enjoy those things? And, and he's not enjoying those things. But he's found peace in Christ. We heard that song just this past week. They're not seeking peace in all these other areas. They're finding it in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing. Notice what it says here. But in everything. Not for everything. It's hard sometimes, right? In everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. My mind goes to a young lady just a couple of months ago that we made reference to. It might have been just a month ago. Who, the week before she was about to get married, her, her fiancé collapsed and died because he had a seizure right then and there. The very next day, or whenever the funeral was, she was found on the platform singing to the Lord. You talk about some peace. You talk about some strength. And in those moments, you say, how did she do that? Now, she didn't do that. She had a peace that we can't sometimes even understand. And within ourselves, we're asking, how, did, how is she able to do that? The Bible tells us again in verse number 7 right there, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, the peace of God in those moments for Paul as he was finding some things. You look at the life of Paul. Paul is an individual that we go and we look at the New Testament and we say, man, the power of God was on Paul's life. Well, why? Because Paul was completely yielded. Paul said, Lord, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody. As a matter of fact, later on in Scripture, you'll find that as Paul is sharing his testimony, he goes on to share, and he says, hey, if there was ever a sinner, I am he. I'm the one, but by the grace of God. But by the grace of God. You see, it was the power of God. A.W. Tozer put it this way. I love A.W. Tozer. You know why I like A.W. Tozer? He doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, hey, if I'm stepping on your toes, let me know which ones you need me to step on. That's kind of the way he works. He says, our mistake is that we want God to send revival, but only send revival on our terms. We want to get the power of God into our hands to call it to us that we may work for us in promoting and furthering, notice these words, our kind of Christianity. We want to still be in charge, guiding the chariot through the religious sky in the direction we want it to go, shouting glory to God, but modestly accepting a share of the glory for ourselves in a nice, inoffensive sort of way. We are calling on God to send fire on our altars, completely ignoring the fact that they are, our, they are not our altars, they are God's. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we go through this life and we're doing exactly what Brother Tozier there is saying. We're saying, Lord, I want the power of God, and God begins to desire to send that power, and sometimes if we're not careful, we say, look what we've done. No, 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 we didn't do anything, it was the power of God. You go and you share the gospel. You're knocking on someone's door, you knock on an individual's door, and they're standing right there, and they're, they're listening to you, and you are just a, a tool that the Lord used. An instrument in that moment that God said, hey, if you'll just go, let the power of God do the rest of the work. And in those moments sometimes, if we're not careful, we say, look what we have done. And he nailed it. The Bible tells us in Romans 6.13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Notice this statement. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Simply put, as you walk and you see in verse number 11, the Bible says that power belongeth unto God. You go and you walk through Scripture. You look at the life of Daniel. Daniel, early on in Scripture, the Bible tells us that he purposed in his heart. Who Daniel was didn't just happen. 
There were some things that took place in Daniel's life that made sure in his life he made some decisions, he made some commitments, he made a dedication that was set apart from this world and unto the Lord. He said, Lord, I am yours. And as you begin to study individuals throughout Scripture, Paul, after he met the Lord, you begin to see a change. Peter, as you begin to think about the change in Peter's life. Joseph, you go through all throughout Scripture and you find individual after individual after individual. That God is using, and you begin to look and you say, I see the power of God on those people's lives. Right this very moment, if I were to ask you, who are some individuals right this very moment that you see the power of God on their lives, somebody just came to your mind. And if you were to go and you were to evaluate their lives, this is what their life looks like. Lord, I'm at your disposal. Lord, whatever it is, wherever it is, whoever it is, Lord, I say yes. Lord, I'm nothing and you're everything. Lord, I have no power in and of myself. Lord, all power belongs to you. Lord, I just want to be used as an instrument. Lord, you send me wherever you want me to go. You tell me whatever you want me to say. You use me wherever you want to use me. Lord, I am at your disposal. You see, at the end of your life, there's going to come a time. My mind goes back to some of the days whenever I played sports. And I remember my coaches would begin to talk and they'd say, if you are not dead after this game, then you didn't play hard enough. I remember hearing those words. And I remember playing and playing and playing. And one of the things that we would practice when we were in college, when we were in college, we had some some practices where uh, our coach, he just would walk in. He wasn't really mad, but he was acting mad to get our attention. Just, I mean, he was, he, 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 you'd think, what in the world happened to this guy today? I mean, just, and he was getting our attention. He was wanting to, to, to draw us in, to get our attention, to help us understand, that, hey, we need to take it to the next level. And one of the things that we would do and we would practice is he, he would oftentimes, we would practice where the ball was on the ground. And, and one of the mistakes that oftentimes freshmen, myself included, freshman year that we would make, is when the ball was on the ground, one of the things that we would try to do is we'd try to pick it up. Wrong thing to do. He said, don't you ever do that again. When the ball's on the ground, you lay out. You, you die for that thing. You go slide into the crowd, whatever the case may be. And so along the way, we began to realize that, hey, we need to give maximum effort. Can I share with you, there's going to come a day whenever every single one of us are on our deathbed. Whenever There, there are times whenever we're, we're about to enter into eternity. For some of us, that will be the case. Some of us, it'll be just like this. But may it be the case that at at the end of all of our lives, we will be able to look back and say, I couldn't have given any more. Lord, I gave you all that I had. Lord, I spent my days and I spent my moments that you gave to me. Lord, I spent them in such a way, Lord, where I said, I am at your disposal. Lord, I gave you everything that I had. I go and sometimes I've got a couple of church history books. And every once in a while, I'll begin to study a certain individual of church history. And as you go and you walk through some of the individuals and some really influential people of the faith, you'll find that oftentimes the people we're reading about are not necessarily extraordinary people. They were ordinary people that said, Lord, I'm, I'm completely given. I'm sold out. Lord, whatever it is, I, I'm, I'm given to those things. And so tonight you're asking maybe the question, I want the power of God, how do I get the power of God? You must yield your life completely to the Lord. You see, every day you're waking up and you're given the opportunity to choose and make some decisions yourself. 
And one of the very first decisions you're going to make each and every single day is, are you going to live for yourself or are you going to live for the Lord? You see, every single day as you wake up, you are given some opportunities to yield some things. You're given an opportunity to yield yourself to prayer, to yield yourself to worship, to the Word of God, to the will of God, to compassion, to tears, to the altar, to service. You could go on and you could fill a list of things that you ought to yield yourself to. And as you begin to yield yourself to the things of God, you are finding yourself saying exactly the things that you are desiring for the Lord to do in your life. Lord, I desire for you to work in my life in a mighty way. Lord, how are you going to do that? Yield yourself to me. Lord, I desire for you to answer the, the, the prayers that I'm offering. Lord, when will you answer? And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, in my time. Lord, I'm desiring for you to to work in this individual's life. How are you going to do that through your life? And all of a sudden, you're yielding all of these things to the Lord. Kelly and I were riding back to Georgia for Christmas break, and we were talking, it was right after Brother Zach had had posted about him uh, leading a young lady to the Lord at a gas station. And uh, Kelly was was talking, and, and Kelly and I have some really good conversations sometimes about about ministry or about spiritual things in general. And she, she made this statement. She said, see, she, said, I, she says, I know what you're saying when you say this. But she said, I, I, don't, I don't know because I, I know what you're saying when you say that we all should, we should, we should share the gospel every t- opportunity. But the, the personality is, is so different. She said, Zach, is, he's, he's out there. She said, I'm not. She said, it's hard for me to just to, to walk up to someone and start talking about Jesus. I said, I get what you're saying. I said, in its context, I said, I'm not necessarily talking every single time about those ones. I'm talking about the times when the Holy Spirit is impressed upon your heart. So I get personality. I get that. I get that some of you are, are going to be an individual that, that is a little bit more quiet in regards to that. You're not going to be at a gas pump and start a conversation. You're not going to be in a grocery store and, and start a conversation. You're not going to be, you know, in line about to buy something and start. I get that. But it's in those moments, whenever we're sitting in the house of God on a Sunday and we're saying, Lord, I desire so much that you would use me. And the Lord says, okay, on Tuesday, I'm going to put an opportunity in your way. I'm going to, I'm, 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 the Holy Spirit's going to deal with you and you, there's going to be someone in your, your path and the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to share the gospel. And here's your chance to experience what you're asking for. You see, it's in those moments where when we're asking, Lord, I want the power of God in my life, and the Lord says, I'm trying to give it to you. Right. Hey, Lord, I want the power of God in my life. Okay, you're waking up tomorrow. Are you going to get into the Word? Hey, you're waking up tomorrow. Are you going to spend time worshiping me? Hey, you're waking up tomorrow. Are you going to spend time communing with me in prayer? Hey, you're going to yield some things to yourself. Are you going to yield some things to me? You see, when we're sitting in the house of God and we say, Lord, I want the power of God in my life, do you really? I remember whenever, again, I was just talking, I think I was talking to our Sunday school class, and I have so many life lessons from, from playing sports and certain things. And I remember that there were times whenever we would be talking, and, and let me use this example. For, for, for a long time, there was a joke that was running around, and there was, there's, on college football, if any of you watch college football, all of these signs at these college game day things. About five or six years ago, maybe longer, there was a sign that was going around, and it was on every single college game day, and it was the sign that said, we want Bama. And then the joke ended up happening later on whenever some people started to get Bama, and they said, you didn't really want Bama. (laughs) And sometimes in the Christian life, I think we live that out. 
Lord, I want you to use me. And then God tries to use me. We say, oh, so did you really want to be used? Lord, I want the power of God on my life. Okay, here's some necessary steps. Whoa, so did you really want the power of God in your life? You see, in the Christian life, our Christian life is made up of so many decisions. Uh, The Christian life is not just, we look at people's lives and we say, how did they get there? Well, they made some decisions. They surrendered some things. They they decided some things along the way that transformed their lives. They gave themselves to this right here. But we say, we want the power of God. How are we going to get it? Notice verse number 11 once again. The Bible says this. God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this. That power belongeth unto God. If you are in your neighborhood right this very moment... And let's just say there's ten houses in the neighborhood. And you knew that in in one neighbor's house, they had access to something that you needed in a a spare moment. You're in in a random emergency. All of a sudden, your house catches on fire. You don't have anything to put the fire out. But this neighbor down the road, they've got what you need. You're not knocking on every single door. Hey, do you have this? No, 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 no. You know where it's at. So you go to that door, you knock on that door, you say, I need this, my house is on fire. They say, hey, let's go put the fire out. In verse number 11, the Bible says this. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this. You say, where am I going to get the power of God? Lord, I want the power of God. The Bible tells us in verse number 11, the power belongeth unto God. You see, one of the things we are struggling with in the Christian life oftentimes is we're seeking all of these many things that we desire that are good things. That are things that a child of God ought to seek after. But the one thing we're failing to do many times is we're not going to the source who has it all. Lord, I want these things. Well, go to the Lord. I want my prayers answers. Take them to the Lord. I want to to be used of the Lord. Well, take that to the Lord and ask to be used. There, There are things that we're trying to accomplish in and of ourselves. There are people who have said many, many times, I tried to lead people to the Lord, but I've never been able to lead someone to the Lord, this or that or whatever. Well, let me ask you this question. Are you just very simply sharing the power of the Word of God, the gospel? Well, I try to start here. No, 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 no. Are you, are you sharing the gospel? Well, I try to introduce. No, 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 no. Are you sharing the gospel? You see, sometimes we fail to do the most important thing and just very simply tell somebody, Jesus loves loves you. Let me show you from God's Word why that is true. Well, I want to lay a foundation. No, share the gospel. I remember, and I've shared this before, but Brother Robert Dodge and I were out and we were knocking on doors. I remember you've been there before where you're knocking on doors and you don't get a single answer. And it's discouraging. You're out for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to two hours, however long you go out, and you're knocking on door, knocking on door, no one's answering, no one's answering, no one's answering. And we're just talking. We're still fellowship and having a good time. And uh, I remember the very first door that we knocked on was a military soldier, and Brother Robert began to talk. And he, he knocked on the door, the soldier answers, and the soldier had just moved there. And he was talking to him, and, and he says, yeah, I'm a soldier. I just moved from so-and-so, and, and or this place, and I'm here. And Brother Robert goes right into it. I'm a soldier, too, but let me tell you something. The Lord loves you. Goes right into the gospel. He said, hold up. He, 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 didn't, he, he didn't, like, 
you know, talk about, you know, where he was from or his upbringing. No, he just said, Jesus loves you. Let me go right into the gospel. Jesus loves you and went straight into the gospel. Back-to-back doors. We knocked on that soldier's door. That soldier ended up getting saved. And we went to the next door, and it had been 45 minutes to an hour straight of knocking on doors in an apartment complex and no one answering. And then back-to-back doors, two people accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You begin to think about, well, what, 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 was the, what was it? It wasn't what Robert Dodge or Josh Farmer had to say, just like it wasn't what Brother Zach had to say. Just like when you've led somebody Lord, it's not what you're doing. It's the power of the gospel, the word of God. As you come to this understanding right here and you walk through Psalm 62 as a whole, you come to this one true understanding. You want the power of God, then there must be a turning from some things. You see, you're not going to access the power of God if you're living in sin. That's true, that's obvious. You're not going to access the power of God if you go and you tell so-and-so, I want the power of God. That's not how this works. As I go and I talk to other preachers or I talk to a family or I talk to Kelly and I were to look at her and I would say, hey, I want the power of God. She can't give me the power of God. Another preacher can't give me the power of God. They can look at me and say, well, that's great. We'll go and ask the Lord for it. But there has to be a turning from some things. I've got to turn from some things. I've got to turn from the pride of self and thinking that I am anything because none of us are anything. There's got to be a turning from, but there also must be a turning to. In verse number 11, as he says right here, that power belongeth unto God, there is a turning to the Lord. Lord, I want the power of God in my life. How am I going to get that? You turn to the source who has it. Oftentimes in the Christian life, we talk about all of the things that we want, and we miss the one common thing. The Lord has it all. You want peace? Run to the source of all peace. You want protection? Run to the source of all protection. You want power? Run to the source of all power. The Bible tells us right here that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. For thou renderest to every man according to his work. In Psalm 62, the psalmist makes it very clear. He says, my soul waiteth upon God. He goes on and says, he only is my rock. He goes on and helps us to understand as he's laying this foundation by using the word only. And as you go to verse number 11, he is helping us understand that God is the source of it all. He alone is the source of it all. He lays the foundation of the beginning as he is making it clear, Lord, you're the only one that is my rock. You're the only one that is the source of my salvation. You're the only one that is merciful. You're the only one as he is running to the Lord. And then he comes to verse number 11 and he says... Power belongeth unto God. Tonight, you're asking maybe yourself, as you come into a new year, you're desiring some things this evening that that the Lord would do in your life. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to turn to the source of it? And then ask you that question. Let me ask you another question. Because I remember hearing these things in in sports, and I just shared the illustration about the we want Bama and the, the, the question, do you really? There are some things that you have said. Last night we were playing basketball, and a devotion was given, and one of the gentlemen that was giving the devotion, he said that one of the things that he is praying for this year is patience. And you know, every, every one of us just saw, thought the same thing. Are you sure? <laughs> You're saying tonight there are some things that you want, and the Holy Spirit and the Lord are saying, are you sure? 
Lord, I want to experience some things I've never experienced before. Are, are you sure? If you're sure, there's some things that need to be removed. There's a turning from some things. If you want to experience these things, it's not just going to happen. You say, Lord, I want to experience these things. And hey, you can walk into 2023 still faithful to the house of God. You can still be reading this book right here. You can still be spending some time in prayer. But there's some things the Lord's going to reveal. And if you come to this conclusion, you say, I want some things. And Lord... Do whatever it takes. I remember, and I close with this this evening, many of you are familiar with the name C.T. Townsend. And I remember this to a degree. Kelly and I can relate, and not quite to this extent, but Miss Kelly and I have always prayed and, and always really just said, Lord, whatever your will is, we want, to, we want to be right in the center of the will of God. Lord, wherever that is, whatever that means, Lord, we want to. And I remember hearing this testimony, and this testimony helped Kelly and I during this time, Kelly had three miscarriages over the span of a year or so. And, and Brother C.T. Townsend shares an Ill, uh, a, a story about him and his wife. His wife was pregnant with a, a child and, and they were going about ministry-wise and doing all these things. And he would always go to the appointments with her, but this was just a, 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 you know, a normal routine. The baby's about to be born and everything is normal. And so he says, you just go. And he was tending some other things. And he, he goes on to talk. And the, the week before, a couple of weeks, I don't know timeline-wise, but I remember him talking. And he, he and his wife went to the altar. And they began to pray, Lord, do whatever you have to do to draw us closer to you. And I remember hearing this story because what God would do next It's not something that any of us would say, you know what, Lord, do that. His wife was at a doctor's appointment. And he remembers that it was supposed to be just a routine one, and he was wondering why she had not called yet. So I can't remember how it all went, but either he sent a text message or she called or whatever the case might have been. But on the other line, or the other line, his wife's line, was not his wife that was on the phone. It was the doctor. And the doctor said these words, C.T., I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to, to give this information, but your child is going to be born, but your child will not live. And he goes back and he begins to talk about how the next year to two years would be some of the hardest times of their, their life and their ministry. And his mind oftentimes would go back to that altar where him and his wife were praying, Lord, do whatever it takes to bring us closer to you. You fast forward through all of those events, you fast forward a couple of years, and he begins to talk about how the Lord truly did exactly that. And so sometimes we ask this question, and we we go to great lengths, we say, Lord, I want to experience these things. Are you sure? You see, because our will or our our frame of thinking of how everything is going to take place is not how the Lord operates. The Lord does not operate in terms of, hey, you want to be used, okay, you tell me how you want to be used and I'll, I'll make it work. That's not how it works. The way the Lord operates is, this is my will, are you going to submit to my will, even though you don't know everything that's going to take place? goes back to this past Sunday when we were talking. Sometimes we don't know where we're going, but we know the guide who's taking us along the journey. And that alone you can rest in. 
Brother Ken, I believe you would testify to many of these things. The journey you've been on is not one that sometimes you would choose yourself. But God doesn't make any mistakes. And this evening, you've come maybe to the house of God, and I ask you this question, are you sure you want the power of God? Because if you want the power of God, then that means yielding your life to the Lord and saying, Lord, do whatever it takes for me to experience that. See, sometimes we look at the power of God and we think it looks this way or we think it's expressed this way. The way God works is a mystery sometimes. So I ask you this question. First question I asked was, how many of you want the power of God? Second question I ask is, are you sure you want the power of God? You say, yes, I do. Yield yourself to the Lord. Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we come to you. Lord, we rejoice in who you are. Lord, we need you tonight. And Lord, I thank you for how you've worked in all of our lives. I believe every single one of us has a powerful testimony. And Lord, I pray that I am preaching to an audience of individuals who desires the power of God. And Lord, that they have come to the place in their walk with you that they say, Lord, do whatever it takes. For me to experience all that you have for me. Lord, for those who might be struggling to submit, to surrender, to yield. I pray that you bring them to the end of themselves. And Lord, that they get a fresh view of who you are. And Lord, that you would just pour out your blessings and pour out your power upon our lives. Pray that you guide us now. Be at this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.